Turn with me, if you would, to the book of 2 Kings. Uh, and it's here that you'll find some history taking place being written down of the people and the kings of Israel. And it gives us a telltale sign of the importance that a father's role plays in the life of not just maybe their own uh, generation, but the generations to come. The instruction here is being given to the Israelites who have drifted off as they did occasionally uh, into idolatry. And they find themselves in that predicament now. And we get the picture painted for us of where it all started in 2 Kings chapter 17, verse 38, as the word of the Lord begins to record what is taking place. It says, In the covenant that I have made with you, ye shall not forget, neither shall ye fear other gods. It's a reminder of the agreement between God and his people that they've drifted away from it. And the word is trying to help remind them of their commitment to the covenant that the Lord has with his people. But the Lord your God, ye shall fear, and he shall deliver you out of the hand of all your enemies. Verse 40 is a rather sad verse, and it is a reminder to me of so many people in this generation that simply will not hear the words of truth when they're spoken. It reads, Howbeit they did not hearken, or they didn't hear, they wouldn't listen, but they did after their former manner. They had already gotten into idolatry and they weren't planning on changing it, even if they even if they were delivered the truth. They would not listen. So these nations feared the Lord. And served their graven images, both their children and their children's children, as did their fathers. We're talking about a generational problem here. An idolatrous people that have raised up more idolatrous children and idolatrous grandchildren. There's a problem here. And if it were to stop there, I would be very sad. But if you turn to 2 Kings chapter 18, you continue to read, you'll see in verse 1, Now it came to pass in the third year of Hosea, son of Elah, king of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. Twenty and five years old was he when he began to reign, and he reigned twenty and nine years in Jerusalem. His mother's name also was Abai, the daughter of Zechariah. Verse 3 tells us what we need to know about Hezekiah. It says, he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that David, his father, did. Now, let me just point out to you very quickly that David was not his literal father. I have a, a son by the name of Landon. I am his father. But as the generations go by, as Landon has a son who he has now, Callan, Callan will maybe possibly one day have a son, and, and his son will have a son. The generation will pass on down. You don't typically hear somebody say, as their father 12 generations ahead, 
because that's exactly what was taking place here. Hezekiah was the 12th king of Israel, but David was the second king. So you have 10 generations that have passed. Yet, when Hezekiah, the Bible says, did what was right in the sight of the Lord, which obviously his father Ahaz had not done, who was also king, because they were still in idolatry, they did not link him with his immediate father. They linked him with his spiritual father. Don't ever underestimate the power that you have, even if it's not in your bloodline, which this was in the bloodline, but even if the generations have passed, you live for God no matter what, no matter if your immediate sons and daughters only, you have grandchildren, there's generations to come that your walk with God may affect in a positive way that it will somehow spiritually be linked to you. Don't you let the world tell you that you're not doing what you should do or what you're capable of doing when you're living for God and nobody else is following you. You continue to live. You continue to be a spiritual father because there's coming a day that they're going to be linked back to you. Amen. You may be seated today. Praise God. Praise God. I love this portion of scripture that we just read. Somebody finally stood up and said enough is enough. Some, we, need, we need dads in this era to be that kind of man. We need Zacharias, the men that have the spirit of Zachariah that says, I don't care what the norm is. I don't care what societal standards say or deem to be normal. I care about what the word of God says. We need men that are willing to stand up and say right is right and wrong is wrong. We need men that are willing to tear down the strongholds that the enemy has set up. Amen for the benefit of our children so that they will have a place to live where they can find spiritual rest, peace, and harmony. Amen. We celebrate today a very special day. We set aside Father's Day particularly to honor those that have become fathers. We have a good time, but it's always amazing to me uh, how just... uh, a month ago, we were celebrating Mother's Day, how different that these two holidays are. Now, they're similar in the fact that we honor our parents, whether on Mother's Day, your mother, and Father's Day, your, your father, we, we honor them. We took my wife out to eat, and, you know, we got her, uh, the kids came over with some gifts, and I, I can't remember what uh, she got, but, but I, I know that today my gifts better not be this, along the same line as what they got their mother. She gets perfume and, and uh, maybe some nice little frilly thing. And, you know, I, you know what I had sitting in when I walked through the door last night? My wife had gone out and bought me a brand new lawn chair. Now, I'm not talking about these fancy uh, lawn chairs. I'm talking about the old-fashioned where you just, the old-fashioned aluminum one with the, with the straps in it. Man, you just cannot get any better than that. I love those old-fashioned lawn chairs. I got me a lawn chair for Father's Day. And something else yet to be figured out today when I go home and open it. But the lawn chair was not 
packaged up. So I got to see that, got a little taste of what I was, what I was going to get. Uh, uh, five weeks ago or so, you know, on a Saturday, it was a very busy day at Federal Express. And the reason it was busy, it was the day before Mother's Day. And so we get bombarded. And I was out uh, driving on my route and, and uh, I just overwhelmed with packages outside of Christmas. It's about the, the busiest day of the year besides maybe Valentine's Day. And, and so I was delivering and everything that was coming down was flowers, this 1-800-Flowers deal. And, and all these flowers were going to all these different places. But yesterday, the Saturday before Father's Day, it was busy, not quite as busy as Mother's day, but, but I was not delivering boxes full of flowers all day yesterday. I, I looked at the different boxes. It was Bass Pro Shop and, you know, it was golf clubs and it was, it was things uh, along those lines. It was very, very different items for Father's Day than what we were delivering for Mother's Day. You see, there won't be a rush at the floor shop to pick out just the right bouquet for dad today. The candy stores won't have a line of women picking up chocolate-covered strawberries for their construction worker husband that's coming home, you know, from, from a hard day at work and, and telling him, Happy Father's Day, here's your chocolate-covered strawberries, honey. You know, it's not going to be that way. It's going to be a little bit different. It's a different kind of day because God has made the dads of this world out of a different material than he has made the mothers of this world. And he's done that specifically for a purpose and a reason. It's because the roles are very different. Now, the world will try to mix things all up. They're trying to make our men very effeminate. And uh, we got man buns now. They ain't about, oh, come on, please. Help me out here, folks. How can anybody say that looks good, man? Get your hair cut or at least make it look like a man. Don't try to make it look like a woman's. And we're trying to make all of our women look like men and trying to mix everything up where, where, where there's no distinction between male and female. Amen. I've often looked at how God has made us with wonder and the way that he took so uh, two creatures that are so drastically different but so similar in so many of the same ways now I'm not going to embarrass my wife and bring her up here and, and, and uh, I don't think um, but we're very very different she's, she's giving me that look that's saying today is Father's Day I won't kill you today but tomorrow is Monday I'm not going to do that to you, sweetheart. Okay, we're going to leave you alone. Here's the deal, though. Both of us have two ears. Both of us have a nose. Both of us has two eyes. We've both got hair. I've got less than I used to, but, but I've still got some hair. And, and we've both got arms and legs. And we're similar in so many different ways. But th that's about where it all ends, right there. You know, we both can smell food. We both can taste food. We both can see. Uh, we both need our glasses to see anymore. But, but the, the God took two creatures that were so much the same in so many different ways, and yet he specifically designed us for different roles. Made us different in so many different ways. We're different in the way that we think. We're different in the way that we act. We're different in the way that we react. 
How he made my wife to care less if she ever stepped foot out on the banks of a, of, of a pond, a, a little country pond, farm pond someplace, and got a fishing rod in her hand. She could care less, but yet he designed me to make it one of the few things that I'm willing to get up early in the morning before the sun gets up, grab my fishing rod, and head out the door to do. We're different. She'll love to smell the flowers. I'm like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> oh, isn't that so beautiful? Well, I, you know, I, I don't, hadn't noticed. We're different. Now, the newlyweds that we have here on the front row, they, they made it through their, their first year of marriage. Still marriage. That scar is not from her, right, brother? <laughs> because of her, but not because. Okay, uh, let's. Uh, we're gonna stop digging right there. Let me just get on with the message. We very quickly begin to understand that we're different in so many different ways, aren't we? Brother Glenn, pick his socks up. <laughs> I happen to know Sister Joanne's kind of a, a, a neat nick. I mean, she likes everything in its place. We are different. God designed us differently. Now, there are some things when we get married that, that sometimes we begin to change because we love each other, but God designed us specifically to be men, to be fathers, because he understood that there's going to be another young man that has to grow up, and he's going to need somebody to show him what it means to be a man. Right. Oftentimes, we pat moms on the back on Mother's Day, and Dads get beat up on Father's Day, but, but today I want every father in this place to know that you have a role in this world that cannot be filled by a woman. And I'm not downgrading a woman because a, a mother has a place in the family that cannot be filled by a man. Now, I know this is not popular preaching in a lot of churches and a lot of society, part of our society today because we like to think that we can do it all. But I'm telling you this much right now. God designed for a father to play a role in the family, in society, in the church, amen, in the children's life. He did not plan for children to grow up fatherless, but he planned for children to grow up, to have a man standing there that would be willing to instruct them, to guide them, to love them, amen, to cherish them, and to give them what they need spiritually in their life. This world needs strong men to do a big job that he created us to do. He created moms to be moms, and he created dads to be dads. Our young men need godly men in their lives that will teach them how to be men. Show them how to be a good father. And our young women need godly men in their lives to teach them what traits to look for in a man when their day comes to, to choose a man. The women, I will see a woman that, that will pick a husband that is much like her own father, even if her father was a, was a bad person. That, that, that can oftentimes be handed down. There is a role of influence in our life that is almost bred into us. That it's handed down. It, it's, it's sometimes not hardly perceived, but it is nonetheless there where we begin to pour ourselves into our children, whether they realize it or not. My girls knew they better not bring some bum to my door and say, Daddy, look what I got. This is my new boyfriend. I said, no, it's not. 
You may think it is, but it's not. Don't you bring some guy that won't hold down a job. Don't you bring some bum. I work too hard to make this family succeed. I work too many jobs and too many long hours. I sweat, amen, I toil, I save and I scrimp and we do all these things to try to make the family. You're not going to bring some bum into my life that ruins everything that we built up. And so they bring these two guys home. And you can't see it, but he's got a big old stamp of approval right on his forehead that I just, A plus. Christian, the same way. I just walked right up to them and I just, A plus. You girls couldn't have picked two better guys that fit in, blend in, uh, uh, not just fit into our family, but they bless our family. They, they bring more to our family. They make the family better. Why? Because they have learned to be good fathers. When the standard is set and they see the example that's set before them, it's not a surefire thing, but the, the likelihood is less that they will settle for less. I've often used the example of the good old J.B. Weld material. I, I use it oftentimes when we're talking about the importance of spirit and truth combined together, that one without the other leaves you with, le with, le with less than enough. But you put them both together and you have something strong. But I, I think it, it works well here together when we're talking about mothers and fathers. When we're talking about parenting, the, 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 how, how J.B. Weld works. And when we can illustrate spiritual things with, with something that we uh, pretty much know about. With, with J.B. Weld, and I've used it many, many times. They have all other kinds of things, but that's one that's well known that's out there. You have two different tubes. And you take those two different tubes and... Uh, one is black and one is gray, and if you if you squirt them out and just leave them alone, you don't mix them together. They're they're intended to be mixed together in order for them to work. I, I've taken uh, just in my own studies, and I, I've taken both tubes and and put them out by themselves, and, and they really don't do too much. They just remain a, a gooey, sticky substance. Then the gray remains gray, and the black remains black, and, and they uh, you can leave them for hours and hours and hours, and nothing happens. You just got a stick gooey mess on your hands. But if you combine the two, and one of the things that, that I really enjoyed about as I was reading, you know, listen to me, parents, you're not always going to get along with your kids like you want to. And let me just say this. If you want to be your child's friend when they're a child, you're going to have to be their parent when they become an adult. But if you'll be their parent when they're a child, when you if you'll be their parent when they when they need a parent in their life instead of their friend, when they grow up, you can become their friend. That ought to get a hand clap. Your children don't need a best friend. Your children need a parent, a guide. Sometimes it's, it ought to always be mixed with love, but sometimes it's a tough love. Sometimes you're not going to be able to tell your child yes. Sometimes as a father, you don't, you, you've got to take the, the, the tough road and you've got to set them down and say, this is not going to take place in my house, not as long as it's underneath my roof. I looked at the back of the box of J.B. Wilden. Thought, boy, how true this is. It says, 
Both of these compounds may be considered as irritants. <laughs> and I thought, how many times in our life has my wife and I and our kids, you know, looked at us as irritants, you know? Sometimes that's our role. Sometimes they're not going to run up and hug you at the moment that you correct them and make them do the right thing. It's only until they get a little bit further down the road and they can look back and see just what you saved them from by being a good father, by being a good parent to them. And then they will come up and they will hug you and say, thank you, daddy, for making me do the right thing. Thank you, daddy, for illustrating what it meant to do the right thing, the godly thing, the moral thing in my life when I didn't want to do the right thing. And then, and only then, will you get the thanks and the hug that you deserve. The big difference in J.B. Weld and parenting is that J.B. Weld says, keep away from children on the back. And that's where I have to draw the line because the compound of mother and father mixed together in the parenting thing, uh, parenting roles is something that needs to be applied to children more and more as the days go by. Yes. God didn't design the father to be like the mother because he saw that in combining the mother's care and the strength of a father that he could form a bond that would hold even through the toughest of times. There's something about the unit that God has designed the role of a father to be in the family that brings a strength, amen, to a family that sometimes the, the, the family may not uh, understand, they may not agree, they may not, they may get upset with you. Why did I gotta do this? Well, it ain't fair. You know, Easton's in this whole it ain't fair business right now. Let me tell you something. Life ain't fair, but you better take your illustration from a loving father than you get it from the world because the world will never be fair as long as we live in it until Jesus comes back and sets up his throne. And then and only then will it be fair. You need, you don't need fair. You need somebody to guide you through a world that's full of sin and darkness and chaos and still help you understand what the right thing is one thing I think that needs cleared up in our society is that never is a tender heart towards God or a tear shed in repentance or thankfulness or praise ever to be looked at as a weakness now typically I'm not a crier I don't cry at weddings women cry at weddings Oh, that's so beautiful. I'm like, is it about over? I'm ready to go fishing. I'm, I'm not typically a crier, but I, I will tell you this. When I feel the presence of the Lord, it's like something just unlocks in my tear ducts. I, I have no idea, but I'm not ashamed of that. I'm not ashamed to shed a tear. It's not a sign of weakness. I believe on the contrary, as a father, it is a sign of strength. You know, my father's been gone for 10 years this December. It doesn't seem like that long, but it, it has. A decade has passed. But I was blessed. One, one day I, uh, I wrote, I believe it was on the day that he passed away. And I don't do a lot of posting on social media, but... I just felt like, almost like the Lord just had spoken something to me and I wanted to share it. I said, my dad passed away at what we would consider a pretty young age and I got to spend 
you know, 41 years of my life with him. And even though he was taken away sooner than I wanted him to be, I refused to shake my fist in anger at God for taking him when he did. Rather, I would choose to thank him for the 41 years that I was blessed to have him in my life. My father was a special man, and uh, just as you probably feel your father was, one of the treasures that will always stay with me is the times that I was able to see him in a church service stand, and his hands would usually be raised like this, and the tears would roll down his face. I never one time that I can remember, even when I was Smaller or younger in my teenage years, never one time did I ever think that my father was a a weak man because he shed a tear before the Lord. As a matter of fact, there was something about that that encouraged me, something about that that made me feel that what he has is very, very real. Because I knew my father was not an emotional man in those types of ways. I knew that he was a man's man. He was... Get his hands dirty. He, he knew how to fix stuff. He knew how to build stuff. He, he, he knew how to sweat and work hard. He, he, he was a coal miner. He was, he was a man's man. He wore a hard hat to work. Man, it doesn't get much more manly than that. And yet I would watch as the Spirit of God would come over him. And something about that would touch me. And I would connect with my father on that term. And I would watch as the man that I deemed to be one of the greats would shed tears. James 5 and 16 tells us that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The word availeth means that it accomplishes much and that it has great power. Don't ever think that when you're down on your knees and in the world's point of view, it looks like a place of weakness. That as a father praying over your children, your grandchildren, over your family or situation in your life, that you are weak, but you are made strong as you are crying those tears before the Lord. There was a man that had bought 25 apple trees for his family's acreage. They had a plot of ground, and he chose to plant the 25 apple trees on it and have an orchard. Year after year, the trees grew, and they began to produce all but one tree. 24 trees yielded fruit, but one tree, after all those years, never yielded a single apple. Yet he refused to cut it down. He loved that tree just like he loved the others that were producing. Twelve years went by and never one time had that apple tree ever produced a single piece of fruit. And then one day, he just decided, I'm going to find out what the problem is. I'm going to talk to somebody that maybe knows a little bit more about this than I do. And so he went to an orchard farm and he asked one of the horticulturalist what they thought the problem might be and it was there that he received his answer they told him that when the orchard workers till the ground around the apple trees that are in the orchard that they always 
make sure that they hit the trunks of the apple trees when they're tilling. They slice the apple trees, the bark on the apple trees open with the tiller until the trees begin to weep, till the sap begins to pour out of them. The apple tree must be wounded and weep before it can produce fruit. And so the man went home and he took a 16-penny nail into his apple tree, began to hammer it in and pull it out all the way around until the apple tree began to weep. The next year, that one single tree bore more fruit than all the other 24 apple trees combined. Twelve years of potential had been bottled up in that tree, but none of it could be released until it learned how to weep. I wonder today as we stand, we're men and we talk about the strength that we have. It's in our nature to grab things with our hands and fix them. It's in our nature to be the sign of strength to our children. My daughter Morgan still laughs. She put a little post that I read this morning. It reminds me every once in a while of a time when she got hurt. She said, Dad, I thought my ankle was broken. She said, you know what you told me? I said, I have no idea. I don't remember that. You got hurt so many times, you have to be a little more specific than that. She started laughing. She said, I was sitting there. My ankle was throbbing. I thought it was broke. She said, you said, get up and walk it off. (laughs) So I went to mom. (laughs) It's who we are. Rub some dirt on it. Come over here. I'll duct tape it and we'll be fine. I don't care if there's a bone sticking out of the skin. Walk it off. It'll be all right. We're supposed to be tough. So let me ask this. Are you tough enough to cry? Are you strong enough to shed a tear? Or have we gotten things so backwards that we think that crying before the Lord is a sign of weakness? wonder today how many of us have somebody that we need in this altar today we have a problem that we're trying to fix on our own a situation in our life that we don't have an answer for and it's driving us crazy because up to this point we always just fix it We figure out a way to use our strength. But there's some things you can't fix with good old muscle or a bigger hammer or a checkbook. There's some things that you can only fix when you take it to the Lord in prayer. I'm going to ask today, If all of our dads would make their way up to the front. And I'm not just 
we've got we've got maybe one or two here in this place that for whatever reason you're not able to be a father you you would like to be i'm including you i don't want you out of this you have the spirit of a father it's not that it's not that you don't want to be i want you to come up here and be a part of this this group too I want us to understand how serious of a role that we play, not just in our families, but in this church. Let me tell you something, men, if, if you don't worship, your children probably won't worship. If, you don't, if you're not faithful to God, your children may not be faithful to God.